And so, man, I'm so, so excited. Uh, at the end of service, we've got two water baptisms. And, and so it's just, you know, when things start rolling, things get good. Amen? Well, hey, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And uh, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And, it, and it's a story that a lot of times that we're familiar with, and, and I've just been studying the, the 36 miracles of Jesus, and this one really leaped out to me for this week. And, and it's more of not the instant miracle, but it's, I believe it's something that sometimes that you've been battling a long time in your life, and, and you'd be like, man, God, when is it going to get that miracle? Because I remember uh, for 20 years... Uh, I, I'm freaked out by dentists, just to let you know. And uh, when I was in the Air Force, they uh, found out that my wisdom teeth had actually uh, started growing parallel. And they were, I was really cool with no problem moving the wisdom teeth until they told me what surgery they were going to have to do on my teeth and, and that I could lose all the nerve feelings in my jaws. And, and then I would slobber all over myself. And, and I mean, I do that when I eat anyway, but... But, but, but it, it freaked me out. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm not doing that because I was getting ready to become an Air Force recruiter and I needed my mouth. And so it, it really tripped me out and I wasn't a believer then. But then later on, I became a believer and I would have severe headaches and, uh, and I would begin to pray and I didn't want to go to the, 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 the dentist to get the wisdom teeth taken out because they had actually grown this way. And so for, for 20 years, 20 years, I prayed once I became a believer, 20 years, I prayed for my wisdom teeth, and recently I was able to go to the dentist and get tremendously blessed, but, but what happened was my, my two lower wisdom teeth that, that were growing this way actually dissolved, actually just, just dissolved. The, the dentist couldn't believe it. They probably just deteriorated because I didn't take care of myself, but, <laughs> and then my upper wisdom teeth or whatever it is, actually, this is crazy, actually shifted and grew up, my wisdom teeth are actually right up here in this cavity, and it causes zero problems, and I counted a blessing because I didn't have to get wisdom, wisdom teeth surgery, and so that's what I want you to realize, that, that sometimes you've got to really hold on to your faith, and you've got to believe and declare despite going through things, and it said, John chapter 5, verse 1, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches, five being the number of grace. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years, 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. So the man never said I was sick for 38 years, but Jesus knew he had been ill for a long time. And then he asked him this incredible, interesting question. Um, Jesus doesn't ask him his name. We don't know anything. We don't know anything about the man except all we know him was that he was a paralytic for 38 years. But he must have believed in miracles because he was at that pool on a regular basis. And here he is, been paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus asked him this question, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? And I thought, man, that, why did he ask him that? But yet I see and I think, man, he must have never counted God out because he said, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles come up. And, and some versions will talk about an angel would come and stir the water. Someone always gets there ahead of me. 
And then Jesus told him three more statements. I mean, Jesus only makes four statements here. Never asking his name. Doesn't get into a big discussion. But Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And after 38 years, it doesn't say that, but it says instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. Think about it. On this particular day, Jesus walked into his world, and suddenly his world was transformed. That Jesus walked into this guy's world, and suddenly this guy's world was transformed. Let's pray. Father God, I just, I just am amazed by this guy, because after 38 years, he never counted you out, Father. After 38 years, he still believed for a miracle. And some of us, Father, we've been, we've been believing for a miracle a long time. We've been believing a miracle a long time. And Jesus, I ask that you walk into these people's lives right now. Walk into their life. And instantly do a miracle. Walk into their life. Instantly do a miracle. That's what all I'm asking, Father. Do instantly a miracle in Bear's brain. Instantly do a miracle in Nana's body. Instantly do a miracle in Gary's feet right now and everybody else in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I think, first of all, what we've got to ask ourselves is, because I always, like I said, I like to identify with the people in the story. And I got to begin to ask, ask you, what has paralyzed you? What has paralyzed you in your life? Because when you study the human mind, psychologists say that there is a, a theory or a term called escape paralysis. Escape paralysis. And try to get this. I love watching action movies. There's a, a series called Taken, and there's a movie called Taken, and, and I love watching old stories. And, and I was watching a documentary the other day on Patricia Hearst, and some of you that are older remember Patricia Hearst, how she was the heir to a, a rich guy who owned a newspaper company, and she got kidnapped, and then later on, she was robbing banks with her kidnappers, and I mean, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so it's interesting, because the way that I can understand this is we're watching these movies, we're watching these documentaries, and here's a person that is, is being kidnapped, and they're, they're in captivity by the captive, and then all of a sudden, the, the kidnapper leaves, and I don't know about you, but I'm like, come on, get up, go, get out of there. Try to get, versus just sitting there. I mean, I'm like hollering at the TV, and my wife's looking at me like, what's going on? And, and, and the person doesn't move. And I think, you idiot. What are you doing? They're gone. You heard them go out. Man, get out of that situation. But that's depicting a real phenomenon, that hostages and prisoners choose not to escape physically. And when you study it out, this, this escape paralysis is because they feel bound emotionally to their circumstances. And sometimes as Christians, we suffer from this kind of paralysis in our lives. We find ourselves trapped in real life situations, spiritual soul ties, generational curses. We find ourselves with familiar spirits impacting our lives. 
And we know that we need things to change in our life and and we know that we're in a rut in our life and we know we need to escape whatever it is that is holding us back, but we don't. And in our heart's desire, we want to go, we want to move forward, but we don't move forward. We don't escape these situations in our life and, and we end up not living in freedom in every day of our life, but we live blinded by our yesterday, never experiencing fulfillment and the fulfillment that Christ has for our life because of our past. And I don't know about the paralytic man at the pool, and I'm not saying he had a chance to escape his condition, but I do know he had been in a hopeless situation for 38 years. And I do know that he wanted a miracle to get unstuck to lift him off his mat. And so the question is, what kind of miracle do you need today? What kind of miracle do you need today to get unstuck? Maybe you're stuck relationally. You keep falling for the wrong kind of people and you get into a relationship and realize that there's some kind of poser or abuser in your life and you break up and and then you think, man, I'm gonna move forward. I'm not gonna get into that relationship again. And suddenly, cyclically, you get into the exact relationship that you just broke out of and you are stuck in a relationship rut. Or you're paralyzed emotionally. You struggle with fear. You find yourself retreating from challenges at work because you're afraid you might lose your job. You're afraid you might not get promoted versus focused on, man, I'm gonna take a risk and, and I'm gonna do this so I can get promoted, so I can get noticed. Or, or, you, or you fear and you shrink back from responsibilities at home and you never take the lead on anything, especially as guys. You know, a lot of times my wife will tell me, she's like, man, I just need you to be the man to make a decision. And you and your spouse are okay, but they wish you'd be more adventurous. I mean, you're in such a rut that you won't even try new things at the restaurant. Come on, say amen. Amen. And let me tell you, I tried something new. It's called Coke and coffee mixed. 70 calories, baby. It's good. Trying to lose weight. I had an epiphany the other day. I hit 212 and I was like freaking out. But but you won't even try a new restaurant and that fear keeps you paralyzed from walking confidently through life or you're you're paralyzed financially, you're living beyond your means, you crave the good life and as much as you can get it and you don't have the income to cover your expenses and and when you suddenly, you have to keep up, you've got to have the latest, greatest, up-to-datest but you don't have the income and suddenly you find yourself in this enormous debt and you find yourself in debt so you do a second mortgage and and, and then, then you start getting all these little loans and then you get really desperate and you go to payday loans and then you get really desperate and you do debt relief and restructure your debts and and slowly trying to get your way out but somewhere along the way something new comes out again and you make the same mistake again and again or how many of y'all are stuck spiritually see we all need to grow spiritually but I'm talking about being stuck where you struggle with the same aspect of your faith you know every year like I'm going to pray more I'm going to read my devotions I'm going to go to church I'm going to serve on the dream team I'm going to to invite people to church I'm going to be consistent I'm not going to be in and out or, or you always have the excuse of why why I can't why I don't have time why and you've stagnated for some of you for decades in your spiritual growth and you're just like the paralyzed man And the same character defects, the same bad habits, the same generational curses, the same solical ties holds you back and you never get a breakthrough to the next level. Psychologists tell us the dynamics of escape paralysis 
is that the captive may develop a bond with their kidnapper. They call it trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. One form of this is known as the Stockholm Syndrome. When the, when the captive begins to identify with or feel emotionally sympathetic towards their captor, why does an abused woman go back to the abuser seven times, each time being worse and worse? Spiritually, there's a similar kind of bonding that occurs in our lives as well, that, that sometimes we bond with the sin in our lives. Our daily rebellions, our selfish behaviors, our compulsive addictions not only become the things that hold us captive, but, but become the things that we hold on to. Now suddenly they become our identity, and, and sometimes it is so detrimental to our life that it begins to destroy our lives from the inside out without us even realizing that our lives are being destroyed. And the result is when we hold on to these, it has paralyzed our lives physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, financially, and in some cases all of them and we feel stuck in these bondages that we don't want to be in but we're connected to them and it's like we can't get away but on a certain day something happens and Jesus walks into our life and I believe this morning that Jesus is walking into my life everybody say so be it and when he walks into your life, what are you going to do? And I want to ask you the same question that Jesus asked this man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. Do you really want to get well? Do you really, really, really want to get well? Why is there a 97% return rate to Randolph County Jail? 97% return rate. And Jesus utters four phrases which are incredibly bold. They don't sugarcoat nothing. I mean, when you really look at it, that they're shocking. And the first phrase, would you like to get well? Man, I mean, here's a guy paralyzed for 38 years, and, and he's looking at him, and all he's got is this crazy mat he's laying on, trying to get in, and here he is. This is his identity. This is his home. This is everything he is. And Jesus looks at him and says, you want to get well? Of course he wanted to get well. Come on. But maybe the bigger question is, did he really? What about you? Do you really want a miracle? Probably the, one of the most frustrating things as a pastor is when you want a miracle for somebody more than they want it themselves. Because let's be really, did he really, did he really, really, 38 years, did he... Did he really, really want a miracle? Because we really don't know the man, do we? All we know about him, he couldn't get in the water, paralyzed 38 years, sat on a mat, didn't have anybody. Didn't have anybody. And maybe, do we really know about you? Because we can assume that Jesus knew something about the man that we don't know. And let's be real, there's a lot going on with me and you more than meets the eye. Come on, say amen. And I call it our private paralysis. Our private paralysis. Those secret sins that keep us captive that others really don't know about. But if you need a miracle today, some great news, these words are for you. And Jesus is asking you and he's challenging you, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? 
And see, our immediate answer, our, our defense mechanism, man, I want to get well, of course. Isn't it obvious that I'm paralyzed for 38 years? Help me get into the healing water, please, Jesus. And the question is, how many of us reach out to Jesus with one hand, but we keep holding on to the bondage of our lives with the other hand? Instead of just reaching out to Jesus with both hands and letting go of the bondage that's there. Don't you think Jesus really sees us like this? I can't see that, but I think he does. And don't you think Jesus is asking us if we really want to get well because he knows in the fact that some of us really don't want to get well? Is it possible that, that we might be paralyzed by some kind of comfort zone of sin and self in our life and your own escape paralysis in your life is something that you really secretly love in your life and, and it's impossible to live and lead the life that God wants for you because, because you really enjoy those sins that you commit and the addictions that you harbor and you're holding on to those bonds in our life. Tonight, Edie Bodine, who was an addict, has been doing tremendous and she's going to be doing a special breakout at six o'clock and then next week we have the the primrose girls that are coming in and in primrose their vision is provide christian faith-based residential care to people young and old who are struggling with life continual problems so if you're an addict or you know somebody's an addict you need to get them here tonight or next sunday night or both nights and part of it, it's not to be ashamed, but it's just to get people around you so we can help get you into the freedom that Christ has for your life. Amen. In the Bible, so many times we see Jesus who is encountering people that are paralyzed in their condition, and he's inviting them to step out of their condition. And I love it in John chapter 4, and I'm going to hit this in a couple of weeks, but, but he encounters the Samaritan woman, and she asked him, give me this living water that you're talking about so I won't ever be thirsty again. And it was simply her version of saying, help me into the pool, Jesus. I, I want to get out of this life that I'm, I'm in this cyclical pattern. And in verse 16, he says, call your husband. And she replied, I have no husband. And, and, and then I love it because Jesus, man, just went right to it. He identified her escape paralysis, the sin that she held on to, the compulsive relationship pattern that she had been repeating for her life that had ultimately been sabotaging her life. And in verse 17 and 18, he said, I don't, she said, I don't have a husband in the room and replied and Jesus said you're right you don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with you certainly spoke the truth I mean all of a sudden the thing that had been sabotaging her life she's like this is it and Jesus calls it out and I love it because he named her bondage and then he called her out of her bondage and Jesus is calling you out of your bondage today by asking you the simple question would you like to get well would you really like to get well? And if you've never been in bondage, if you've never had an addiction, then you may not get what I'm talking about. And for me, it was work. I was a diagnosed workaholic. Diagnosed. It was the worst time of my life. And Jesus saying, you need to let it go tonight. You need to let it go today. Whatever that is that is paralyzing you, you need to let it go. You need to let go of those husbands that you keep marrying 
trying to fill that hole in your life that's never going to be filled by those husbands. You need to let go of that sin that causes you to stay in your comfort zone but steals you going to a new level in your life. You need to let go of that victim identity. You need to let go of those familiar spirits. You need to let go of, of those declarations that I am a divorcee, I am a bankruptcy person, I am a failure, I am dot, dot, dot. Jesus is calling you out and he's asking you a question, would you like to get well? Everybody say, so be it. The next statement that he makes to the paralytic is he says, stand up. Stand up. Man, we can interpret this, Jesus' intentions a number of ways, but my two cents is what Jesus was just saying. Stop making excuses. Stand up. Stop making excuses. In other words, stop your life as a paralytic and start your life as one being healed. Well, I don't have any man to put me in the water. Well, are you doing rehab? Are you trying to strengthen your muscles? Are you doing whatever? Again, we don't know what the paralytic was thinking, and, and, and I might dare put words in his mouth, but I'm simply thinking, he's probably thinking, what, stand up? You gotta be kidding me, Jesus. I could have stood up, I would have stood up 38 years ago. Are you making fun of me now? Are you belittling me now? Whatever. I don't have anybody. And we don't know if this, there were his thoughts or not, but those would have been my thoughts. Come on, say amen. We're looking for a miracle. We're paralyzed. We see this man, Jesus, and he says, stand up. I'll be honest with you. I dipped snuff for, for 28 years, roughly, or excuse me, 20 years. And probably one of the hardest things to do is to go to Ellis Fischel sit there and pray with somebody in a wheelchair that's got chemo going into their veins while they're smoking a cigarette. I always freak out when they have oxygen tanks right around them, but otherwise, praying for safety. But, but I'm like, come on. Come on, what are you doing? What, Jesus? You want me to invite somebody to church? What if they reject me? I'll be damaged relationally, paralyzed emotionally because they rejected me. What, Jesus, I'm emotionally bound up. I'm trapped in this problem, and, and you don't see. They're holding me down. I can't stand up. I don't have the money to go to school. I don't have the education to get promoted. I don't have, man, Jesus. And Jesus keeps saying the same to them. Stand up and stop making excuses. I believe standing up is the action that activates the miracle. And it, after we baptize these two sisters, I'm going to challenge you to stand up and walk to the altar and have somebody pray for you. You may have never done it, but why don't you do it? And maybe something will happen. Everybody say, stand up. And I believe that when we obey and when we stand up and when we're acting in faith, it allows our faith to play a part in receiving a miracle. See, God, only God works the miracles, but he allows us to play a part. And I can imagine, can you imagine 38 years not being able to stand that, man, when he probably stood up, it probably got a little shaky. But every time, suddenly some things happen instantly. Suddenly those barriers fall away. Everything will feel natural. 
See, we think, oh, God, they'll lay hands on me. Everything will fall into place. Let me tell you, wrong, it doesn't usually happen that way. It doesn't usually happen that way. When God asks you to stand up, sometimes it's awkward. It feels unnatural to step out in faith and follow him. See, I don't know about you, but I pray, God, open the door for me, and then I'll step through it. And God says, no, you take the first step, and then I'll open the door. If you've been reading the one-year Bible, Joshua chapter 3, God told the children of Israel, tomorrow you're going into the promised land. But one problem is the river is at its flood stage. But don't worry. Tell all the priests. This is when I wish I was a king. He said, tell all the priests to go first. And I'm like, come on, the kings are supposed to go first. I'm supposed to stand back and pray. And, and he says, go into there. But he said, don't worry, just have the priest walk into the water while it's at its highest level at flood stage. And, 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 and I know the water could drown them, but then I'll work the miracle when they step in. So you gotta get your feet wet first. It may be coming down to the altar and having people pray for you. You got a situation that needs a miracle. For you, it may be filling out a connect card on the back and say, please pray for this in my life. But Jesus said, man, it's the way that he works. You've got to step in and then he'll roll back the flood. You've got to step out and then he'll open the door. That's what these businesses are. Man, they aren't guaranteed success. But dedicating them, I believe then they become guaranteed success because Psalm 90, verse 16 and 17 says, God, honor my efforts, honor my efforts and make all my efforts successful. And so that why I'm like, man, because of that, we can declare that promise. Everybody say, stand up, step in. That's where the miracle you're looking for begins. And then the last one, he says, pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. This mat was probably used by this man for his entire life. They didn't, they didn't have the welfare systems back then that we have now. So he could have had this mat for 38 years. And possibly all he had was the clothes on his back. But what was this mat really? It was his identity. It was his security. And Jesus said, pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. What he's really saying is, you don't need this any longer. Because I'm about to work a miracle in your life. And you need to put it away for good. You need to roll it up. Because you're not going to need this mat again. For where I'm taking you. But Jesus... What if this healing thing doesn't work out for me? Doubt. Well, Jesus, this mat, this mat, it's my comfort. It's who I am. It's how people know who I am. My mat, it's the wrong identity because you're now a child of God. And Jesus, when he said, pick up your mat, he said, I'm taking you to a new destiny and you won't need that old comfort mat again. Jesus said, pick up your mat, roll it up and put it away because I'm taking you to something new today. I'm not taking you where your past took you. 
See, when people start looking at you, you're not looking at where I'm in or where I've been. But man, when those girls come up out of the water, man, you're looking at where they're going. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, one of my top 10 favorite scriptures. But forget all that. It is nothing to compare to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. It's already begun. Do you not see it? You got to see it with the eyes of faith. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll recreate rivers in the dry wasteland. Everybody say, so be it. So the question is, what is your comfort mat? What is your comfort mat? Is it your identity, your victim mentality? Is it your money? Is it your material things? Is it people's approval? Is it pleasure? Is it achievement or success? Is it being noticed? What security blanket are you holding on to? Because when you hold on to those things, they become your comfort mat. And you start trusting in these things more than him. You start trusting in these things more than the miracle worker. And the result is you miss out on your miracle. How much do we really see ourselves in this story in John 5 in the miracle? Because you've got to choose today between your comfort mat or your miracle moment. Then Jesus is walking into your life that Jesus has for you this morning. Are you going to choose your mat or are you going to choose the miracle? In Ephesians 3.20 says Jesus wants to give you more than anything you can think or imagine in life. But you got to get up off the mat and trust Jesus. Amen? And then he says, and walk. you got to say, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm going to let go of my comfort zone. I'm going to grab the miracle zone, and I'm going to start walking. Everybody say, walk. I've been pondering this question. And I'm going to end with this so the worship team can, can whoever's going to play, can come on up. I'm going to accelerate. I'm going to close right down here. But I wrote this simple question. Is the miracle you seek also the miracle you fear? Is the miracle you seek also the miracle you fear? And are you prepared to make the life change that a miracle brings? See, perfect love casts out all fear. And a lot of times I don't think we're experiencing the miracles that Jesus has in our life because we're afraid of the life beyond what we were. And if we're afraid of the life that Jesus has for us, see, a lot of people are afraid of the business that God has for them. Man, your businesses are about to be blessed beyond belief. I don't know who I gave the word explosive to. I think Jody. Explosive. I only had that word one other time. And that was for Carrie Taylor when we dedicated his building, his business, carpet laying business. I remember Carrie calling me up about three months later. He said, Vic, quit praying. I can't handle all the business that's coming. I said, hire more people. I never stopped praying. But anyway, above all, people are going to ask a thank There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Walk in love. Walk in love. It's not easy, but it's simple. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask Alyssa and Jenna to come on up. Somebody will help you up on stage. 
Father, we don't know what prompted the paralyzed man to stand up that day. We don't know what prompted him to take his mat and start walking. And I'm sure he felt fear and apprehension about what could go wrong. But Jesus, something compelled him that day. What compelled him? What compelled him, Jesus? And I believe he saw what I saw the day you delivered me from being a workaholic. You restored my marriage, my family. Because it was that day. Jesus, I saw your love. Your love for me in your eyes. And that perfect love that you had drove out all fear and drove out all doubt. And I walked really for the first time in 27 years. And Father, I just ask that you allow each people person to focus on you and right now. And it might be a scary miracle. But Father, encourage them, Holy Spirit, to trust in your love. Some of us have been waiting too long for somebody to pick us up when it's just the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, I ask them the same question, would you like to get well, that you ask the man, that you ask me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, are you ready to let go of hopelessness and grab hope? Are you ready to let go of self-pity and grab onto anticipation and expectation? Then pick up your mat. You've been looking at everything else that you need in your life. But it's now it's time to look at Jesus. And if that's you looking at Jesus right now, I'm just going to ask you to bow your, are you with your heads bowed and close your eyes and just say to yourself, say, dear Jesus, I just ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I ask you to give me a brand new start in Jesus name. And everybody said, and if you prayed that prayer, make sure you fill out that connect card. We want to help you with next steps like these two young ladies, but I'm going to turn this over to pastor Brad. Give him a great big hand clap first because I know they're